So here's what happened as a proud member of the But Why Though podcast community. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of So Here's What Happened. I'm your host, Nisha, and I'm always joined by... Carolyn. Yeah, we back. What and up, it's been up? June. Hey. <laughs> yeah, yes. I know, like summer's almost over and I'm not okay with that. Like, Me either, to be honest. I'm not, and especially since it took forever for it to actually get hot here. And now it is 95 degrees outside. It, it was the same thing here. Like um, our winter lasted really long. Heck, there's still some days that are like cold-ish. Mm. Like, let me see. So today's Monday that we're recording, which is July the 1st. Like mm-hmm. Wednesday was cold. Like we were, I had on jacket. I'm like, what the heck? Why am I walking Jesus. around in a jacket at the end of June? See, and again, for us, and I'm in Chicagoland, it was literally, we barely got to 65 two weeks ago. So once again, global warming isn't a thing, remember? Mm-mm, it's not people. real. It's real. Shoot. It's real. And I'm starting to get scared. I feel like the sun was getting closer and closer today. Like, we're going to die. Listen, if you read the Bible, you know what it says in Revelations. <laughs> and me being a preacher's kid, I just be like, Lord. I know. It's been talk all these white people talking about they don't bathe their skin and they got the plagues and all. I'm like, you people trying to usher in the, the end times. I'm like, I am not ready. I am not prepared. Like, no, I am not mm-hmm. ready for all the plagues and stuff. Lord Jesus, no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, girl. Uh, I just, uh, I can't. Uh, but on a lighter note, <laughs> let's get into what did we read for the month of June? Um, I read, well, I'm already going to do a recap of these, but I, for the month of June for reading, I read a book by Rebecca Witherspoon. And that one is called Sugar Baby. Let me look it up to make sure. And I started reading the Ray comics. Now, anyone who knows me and sees me talk about action films on Twitter, and I've mentioned, I'm sure I've watched mentioned it on here a couple of times. Like the Ray, um, it's not a trilogy because it's only two films so far, but like they're one of my favorite action films and they, there's a comic based on it. And then I'm mm-hmm. like, what? So I legit bought it, bought it today and I started reading it. And I haven't really gotten into the story yet, but the, um, the art style is really unique because of the colors that they use. Because if you watch the show, the film, you know, like it's like it's not like one of those films that use utilizes like strobe lights or what I should say, like saturated colors. Like a lot of it is very um, regular lighting and regular coloring, except for a few fight scenes where that takes place in like a club and stuff. Mm-hmm. But the uh, the artwork in the comic is really well done, and I like the colors and like it's like very moody and like very almost I want to say noir, but it's like very interesting. A lot of it is in like silhouettes, so you like see like the figures. They're mm-hmm. black and they're silhouette, but there's like outlines in like different colors and like green or teal or pink or red or white. So I think that's very interesting. So I'm I'm very happy to get into it and see like that, how they actually do the action scenes in the in the in the comic because it's actually based on the film. Like there's a couple characters that are missing, like the one by Yayan is from what I'm seeing in the preview of the comic isn't in the in the comic itself and I love that character but he's not in it so I'm going to see how they switch up some of the um the characters and the storyline interesting and can you I think if you broke up a little bit on my end can you say what what is it called again the title it's the raid so it's the first the issue and okay. you can find it um I think it's 
Comixology. I got it through Amazon. Oh, yeah. No, that's perfect because I use Comixology whenever I want to read like DC Comics. Yeah, so like I downloaded the app and I got the first. So this is the first comic that I'm reading through this app. And it's mm-hmm. the first issue that I'm reading. So I think there's a couple of issues out already. Um, nice. But you can find out Comixology and you can find it through, through Amazon. Okay, that's how I got it. And it's for like two ninety nine. Ooh, that's decent. And then yeah. you don't have to, and you ain't got to go and get up and go to this comic book store. So that sounds like a good idea for me to start reading. Yeah. So, so yeah, I don't have a full review, but those are the two books that I, the two most recent books that I've read. Nice. But I did, did that. I, I'm really interested into like reading more of the rate. Cause like, I just Googled it and looked up some of the art, like so mm-hmm. I can see the cover for reference. This looks dope. It looks really good. Right. It was like, yeah. they made my favorite film into a comic. Like, yes. Like, it's very good. Like, I am, like, I'm really impressed. It's not that I don't, like, normally see, like, really good comic art, but it's, like, from, like you said, it's, it was, so it was originally the film and then making it into a comic. Mm-hmm. That's, like. Which, that doesn't happen very often, does it? Because usually it's the other way around. You get the comics and then you have the. I feel like in today's time, yeah, I feel like that's not that common now. I mean, like maybe I feel like, no, you're right. Like, I feel like where we're at today, it's typically the comic or the story becomes the film. But like for someone to be like, let's continue the story, because I guess the only other thing I can think of is when they did that with Angel, with the David Borne, the Buffy, the vampire. Oh, David Borne, um, David Borneas, yeah. Yeah, Borneas, his series, when they ended the TV series, but then they decided to continue the story in the comic. Oh, okay, I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah I so, never read it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so I'm looking at it. So the artist for the comics um, is Budi Satyawan. Um, so mm-hmm. the last name is S E T I A. W A N. So, but I love the artwork that he did for it. It's very, I don't even know, I'm not sure what style you would call it, but I wouldn't call it noir, but I also I would call it that. I think that, you I call think it noir. Yeah. Because it's like this gritty, it's because, it, yeah, I would call it noir. Like it's got this gritty, kind of dark, but like the way he plays with the colors. Yeah, right. It's the way how the colors are mixed and how he uses the colors and stuff. So there's mm-hmm. four issues out so far. So the first issue came out. Um, on the 19th of October of last year. Mm. So, and the second and the fourth issue. So it looks like the first three issues came out on the same day of last year. So that's the 19th of October. And then the fourth issue came out on the 24th of February. I could be wrong, but that's based on the website that I'm looking at now. But yeah, so like if you like martial arts films, if you like um, martial arts in general, I, I would recommend this. Based on what I've read so far in the comic, I would recommend it. And for the art style and like other set, because I love anything related to the rave. So yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Now, it just kind of like gets me in the mood to go watch the movie now. Like Yeah, it looks really good. Awesome. Well, thank you you for sharing those with us i'm definitely going to add the raid to my comics list even though i need to like actually i'm just going to prioritize it to the next things i read because for four issues i can definitely start reading and get into it easily yeah and like it's based on for i paid 2.99 and i think that's 2.99 us so it probably came up to four dollars or five dollars wrong which isn't bad for i believe it's 30 pages I paid, okay. yeah, I think the most I paid for comic, because when I paid for the 
Ronan um, one, it came to about five around the same amount. Yeah, so and I got, but I'm reading the digital one. I'm not reading like a print copy. I'm reading digital because sometimes I find some some it like sometimes they don't ship to Canada, which I think is good. Uh, but I got this one digitally because I can read it on my phone anytime. So perfect. That sounds good. Um, well, as for me, um, I have been getting back into writing and have been for for but why though. So I recently wrote a review for one of my favorite mangas of all time. Um, it's called Berserk. Well, mm-hmm. they, and Berserk has been, so like just to give y'all some background information on the manga itself. So it premiered in 1989. That thing came out before I was born. Um, <laughs> like two years before I was born, it came out. So this manga has been, and it is still ongoing to this day. Um, it is the most long, like I, I want to make sure I say it's like, it is known as one of the most long-running and popular adult manga series ever published. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, so it's been, like, it, it has continuously been going on. Like, it's not that, it like, it's, like, religiously been coming out at the same time and everything. It's more so that the writer has had to, the creator has had to take um, breaks. He's had to go on hiatus every now and then. Because, like, it's a massive story. And, like, ma- manga takes a lot out of the the creator's when they yeah. like have so many deadlines and stuff, especially when you have a popular piece. Um, uh, so uh, Berserk was created by Kintara Miura. Uh, and I would say it, it's a lot like, and I'm going to just give y'all some trigger warnings. So first off Berserk and the volume, I read volume two, the deluxe edition that dark horse is re-releasing um, in honor of its anniversary. So again, trigger warnings for this cut for this material is that it includes sexual assault and child abuse. Mm. So again, it is a very adult-like manga. I do not recommend it for children at all. Um, But yeah, so that's a little background on that. But So I'm just going to give a brief synopsis. It's set in a fictional, medieval, dark fantasy world. Berserk centers on Guts, a lone, wandering mercenary, hunt, like literally hunted by, haunted by and hunted by real demons and feared by many who know him as the Black Swordsman. Described as having a mysterious and dark history, he lives by a code of survival, revenge, and not having empathy for those he deems as weak. So he's your basic ant- like archetype for an antihero. <laughs> and right. his name is Guts. Ah. Um, so the thing I'm just gonna it, it, what I will say about the deluxe edition is like what I really like about it is it it is three volumes it is three regular volumes in one volume so they've really packed all the like the stories really packed in but it is a massive read like I finished it in one week but it, it that's like me reading it nonstop. so yeah, that's nearly bro- it nearly <laughs> broke my brain oh my gosh <laughs> Because you know what that sounds I'm, like? That sounds like the Expanse series. Like the Expanse series, mm-hmm. uh, I, I got up to book seven, mm-hmm. and there's eight books now. Because, and each book is super thick. Like each mm-hmm. book is like well over a thousand pages, and mm-hmm. it's a lot of content. It's a lot of stories. A lot of yeah. characters, and like to keep track of all that. Now to imagine a manga that's Oof. going off from 1987 you said good grief good oh, grief. 89 1989 sorry good no. good grief good lord i know i know and it's like the thing about that one of my favorite things about the manga is that the man like he he is the writer and the artist so mm. like read, 
like reading the volume really makes you appreciate like how his you see the slow progression of his art like and it's not saying that his art was bad in the beginning it's yeah. just like his art his art style is very intricate like when he draws at somebody's armor they have like all this interlocking like different patterns and like each care and like all these main characters armor they all like they're all unique so then having to draw that over and over and over again and then inking it and then oh all this and then, and then the fight scenes it's just like there's just so much to draw and like so many characters i'm just i think about like oh dear god no wonder this man needs rest um so i i pray he stays in good health um because I, I want to know how this ends, but also like this man has created like one of the longest running, like most beautiful pieces of manga, in my opinion. Mm. Uh, and then so like to just go back to like the trigger warnings I mentioned, I do want to like talk about a little bit because I wrote it. I wrote it out in my review when it comes to sexual assault and everything. I want to make sure I say this as like this is not a piece that does it for like like torture porn. This is not it's not done in a way to for shock value and that's something i appreciate about this manga a lot is because it's not putting in sexual assault as a plot device so much right. as it is like it's really talking about the complexities of sexual assault and how does that impact its victims um moving forward and i think that's something important because like let's talk like comparing it to like game of thrones it's like there's the line in like the last season with sansa and she's like i appreciate the men who attacked me or who Not us that was just like this That's is what crazy. like this like, is this is what bad it. right this is what bad character development looks uh, like when you when you think and it's not to say that a woman can't dr- derive like strength from her sexual assault but i would be damned if a woman would actually think that's the thing right uh, that's the, that's uh, they just miss the mark so badly yeah it's one thing to say that they recognize how that a woman has been assaulted recognizes her strength after mm-hmm. it and recognizes how strong she is to to not to get through it and to you know and to like rebuild herself and like to work through emotional stuff. There's one thing to say I found who my I found my inner strength through <sighs> this following this process. But it's mm-hmm. another thing to actually thank the abuser. Like that's BS. Like that's how you know two ignorant white men wrote this. Mm-hmm. Or I suggest say two ignorant men, period, because men like come men, ignorant men come in all races. But you yep. can tell two fundamentally ignorant men who clearly don't speak to the women in their lives wrote yeah. this, wrote that nonsense, trash, burn it, very trash, very trash. And I say this so then my example, and I dive into it a little bit in the review. Um, guts, the main character, so he's really. Drawn in like and super tough, dark, gritty, like main character. Um, but then you learn in this volume that he was raped when Ooh. he was 11 years old. Um, and what's worse is that his step, his adopted father knew about it and did oh. nothing to help him. He, his adopted father literally like basically sold his body to a man. In one in his mercenary group, and at this time at, at eleven, he was also in the mercenary group fighting. So it's like he's had a hard right. life. He, I don't want to go too. I want I want people to kind of like read this because it is really really good. But I also understand it is gritty and there is a lot. So if it's not your flavor, I get it. But like I do, I don't want to give everything away about it because there's a lot to dissect from this entire manga. And I I have like maybe and like. 
the whole like next few chapters are about him exacting his his revenge. Like he's an 11 year old child. He finds a way to kill his his rapist. And then like later his his adopted father goes crazy and he has in self-defense has to kill his adopted father. Now you see on his face as he's illustrated, he gets a sigh of relief. From like not from killing his father, from killing his father, he feels like this deep sadness because he always wanted his his adopted father to love him and he wanted his respect. But when he killed the rapist, you see like him get this like relief, like he he feels at ease. But then as he's gotten older, you see that he has night terrors about it still as he like grows up because he hasn't been able to process it. And he's like he's trying to get to the point where he can process it. And I think it's important that a character. Like you see this super strong masculine character having to and throughout the series later on, you see like throughout this chapter, you see him start to like open up and become like closer to people and trust people because that was one of the reasons he didn't trust people for the longest time because he thought I can't be weak. I can't trust anybody because they'll betray me and they'll hurt me. Right. I'm paraphrasing, but like once he joins like another mercenary group and he like, he slowly like these walls come to like come down. It's not like his standoffish, like tough guy demeanor doesn't like completely go away. It's more like he understand, he has a better understanding of what is a comrade and like, what are the, the people that he respects around him and how they respect him. And I think it's just, it doesn't get resolved completely in this one value, like his trauma. But I appreciate that the author takes the time to understand how complex trauma is for a sexual assault survivor. Like it's not something he was going to wipe away after killing his rapist. It's something that it's going to take time. And, and I appreciate that we're going through it with guts. And it's not something like, it's not a lewd or, you know, gross, like kind of like show of it or anything. Like when he has these night terrors, it's like literally he feels like he's that little boy again. And he blames himself for not being strong enough. And it, it you show like it shows a lot of how it's impacted his life. But it's great to see like how he's growing as a character. Well, that's important, especially from a male perspective, right? Because mm-hmm. like sometimes in like film or TV shows or even books, if they do discuss like uh, sexual assault or rape for male victims, like they kind of like gloss it over and they try to use like, like their machiness as a shield, which is a, a defensive mechanism that can occur. But the thing is, is they don't discuss like the, like they don't show you actually, you don't, sh- they don't show them actually like processing or trying to process or trying to like come to terms with it or trying to, you know, like, mm-hmm. are, you know, like internal, not internalized, that's what I'm looking for, or just, just showing that the effects these things can have, like you might see yeah. like someone being like extremely macho for being macho sake and then you find out, okay, like they were assaulted, but then you don't see anyone giving them any real kind of sympathy, right? And so mm-hmm. I guess it's important, like, for uh, a male writer to, if they're going to show that, to be as, as you said, as thoughtful and as, um, and handle it in a mature way, right? So I think exactly. that's important, yeah. Yeah, and I think it's, because it's like, it's, it's really nice to see that they are unpacking the complexities of the trauma, and the effects it's had on him. But then, like, it's nice to see him grow as a character, too. Mm. 
because it's not something he's like it's something he's holding on to him and he doesn't realize he's holding on to him he's just like he shoved it down and he's just like i'm not that weak little kid anymore i'm this mercenary i'm this like i'm like who like no one can harm me but then you see like how that attack shaped his life a little bit because he hates when people touch him like yeah he like multiple times throughout this volume, you see that like if you even lightly pat him, he's like, What the hell are you doing? No one touch me. Like, right. even if it's like a congratulatory pat, someone reaches to shake his hand, he hates human touch. He hates like it, in in one chapter he says, like, I hate the feeling of someone else touching me. And it's like, wow, you see, like, you don't you don't get to like see that with male characters a lot. Mm. I mean, like, like you said, because they try to deal with them in a way where it's like, oh, it's over once I do once I get my revenge. I'm like, no, it's not over once you get your revenge. And I'm like, I'm not saying that it can't that can't be the case for like, you know, some people. I'm not saying go at an act of revenge. I'm going down a rabbit hole. My point is, when it comes to characters, I think it's important that we actually see them go through the process. And it's not something that's for like, you know, shock value instead, because I, I feel like sexual assault is a very difficult thing to use and like not use but to convey in media especially entertainment media because it can go very badly very quickly yes it can yeah just like again game of thrones Mm. a lot of game of thrones Mm -mm. like so many like when i was looking and i compared it to it in the review i was just like because there's a lot of comparison because it's like overall the story is full of gore horror medieval fantasy and adventure and battles um but not even game of thrones comes close to oh no this. the game of thrones doesn't so, handle it in a mature way highly recommend it true <laughs> very true um but yeah i highly recommend this again people who are mature readers y'all take a stab at it if y'all i don't know do we i don't know if we have children that mm-hmm. listen to this show uh don't read this yet <laughs> <laughs> I know. I would be surprised if like we got like a 13 or a 14 year old listening to the show. I just I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'd be like, please. Parental guidance um, is necessary. Yeah. Please. Yeah. Yeah. Um stay in school kids. <laughs> don't do drugs. Um, and recycle. We just reuse recycle. <laughs> I don't know how to talk about <laughs> Yes, recycle. That those are things we should tell children. <laughs> um but yeah so that is the reading corner let's get on to tv now for tv we both were kind of debating well oh yeah that's right <laughs> we, we kind of came to uh a, a, a what's the word a, con- a conclusion of what we we're going to discuss because conclusion. i was kind of what's the conclusion <laughs> i know it's going to remember i think it's the heat because it's very yeah. humid um Girl, like yeah. i was kind of considering wavering between two shows one is called three meals a day which is a Korean um, reality show. It's very interesting. But then I settled on Agresuko. And now, pre warning, mm-hmm. I haven't watched all of Agresuko. I've watched only the first mm-hmm. three and a half episodes. But I love this. I love this anime. It's, it's hilarious. Like, laugh a lot. I relate so much to Agresuko um, so much. And Nisha also watched this. We were like, you yes. know what? I think both this is, again, where we both ended up discussing the same. Um, show or same topic without mm-hmm. actually discussing it beforehand before we started recording. So yeah, that's what we're going to talk about. The Japanese right. anime, Ag- Netflix anime Agasuko. Okay, this is season two we're going to talk about. 
Yes. So you just to make sure I know. So you watched season one or did you just go into season two? Oh, no, I watched season one last year when it came out. Okay. <laughs> cool. Perfect. So um, I just want to... I'll just give you all a brief summary off the top of my head. So Agatsuko is about Retsuko, who is a red panda, a little red panda. Mm-hmm. And she lives in Tokyo. And it's basically, you think about like, it looks like Hello Kitty style. Mm-hmm. But like, that's what makes it so cool when the artist has her like rage out in metal face. Or like when she's karaokeing and singing metal music. Yes. Oh, I love it. I'm just like, I, I, feel, I feel seen. She's just a tiny little girl who is mm. full of rage from all the microaggressions that she has to deal with every day. Well, it, it really kind of oh. makes sense because um, like, part of her name is um, the Japanese word retsu, mm-hmm. which actually means fury or rage. So like the her her name is her personality, like fury or rage, right? And it's kind of funny because it comes with this very cute red panda and i relate to her so much because they were both small and like people underestimate me are in a rage yes yes let it out that's me and then i also love how she's like i'm a scorpio and i'm like i am too well i'm a virgo so but yeah it's all good we can be we can just be little rest coats together but oh it is just the cutest show but yeah basically i mean would we call this slice of life if it was a genre to pick from would it be though? I guess yeah, because like they deal with very real world, um, real world topics, and the fact that like, her main thing is how she copes with life at work and at home with her mom and like dating yeah. and relationships. So I guess you could say it's almost like a drama. But mm-hmm. this is the thing that like, I was gonna compare it to because when you were talking about Berserk, like Berserk, we kind of when you said like the artist, he does the artwork and the. And the writing at the same time, like that kind of reminded me of a lot of like Asian mm-hmm. webtoons where the artwork is done by the writer as well. Yeah. And Irasuka is not the same way in the fact that it's a like a fully produced show, but the way they discuss like topics of dating mm-hmm. and home and parents and that kind of stuff is the same way. So yeah, you might call it. I guess you might call it slice life. Yeah, I think that's the most accurate one. But it definitely feels like a drama sometimes. But Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's Resco. She works in an accounting department at a company. She hates her job. <laughs> she she When she has all the rage built up, she goes to do karaoke to get it out. And that is like her like her way to get her rage out. And that's her deep secret. She wants no one to know that's what she does. Mm. Um, so that's just Ooh. like a background on that so season two brings us back to Retsuko after season one which y'all are very encouraged to go watch because it again it deals with like stuff about growing up relationships dating um hating your job um so then season two is continues with hating your job um relationships but like on the added level of like her mother comes in we meet Retsuko's mom and her mom is like the most overbearing mother who's trying to marry her daughter off oh, as soon as possible. Uh, listen, I relate so much to her this season. <laughs> so much. Oh, I feel I felt you there because my mom there was usually there was recently like this viral story about a guy who was interested in me before. And my mm. mom was like, Oh, he almost could have been my son-in-law. I'm like, Ooh. no, he wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> And I, and like ever since then, I just be like, uh, I felt like Let's Go. 
or like, did I mess up something? Did I, was I wrong for not dating him? And like, I, ah. Excuse me for the technical difficulties. Continue. You're good. You're good. No, I was just like, I was just venting about like how I felt seeing with Reds go because, yeah parents trying to marry you off and I mean like mm. granted it's not like my mama is popping up with pictures of men that she photoshopped <laughs> um <laughs> to persuade me to go on dates with them and marry their family <laughs> marry into their family but, yeah like West Coast Mama's wild y'all and yeah. I'm trying to think so you watched the first three episodes so you've met her mom then <laughs> your mom is funny but yeah. her mom kind of reminds me of my mom too in the in like they're very good at guilting you without mm. making it seem that they're guilting you and there's also the reverse psychology and yeah. like I was like this is my mom my mom isn't like trying to marry me off or anything but like the way she uses like just the way she guilt and like uh, many parents do this but I was like that's my mom my mom or like when she buy bought her the dress I'm like my mom does that like mm-hmm. she would buy me something I'm like I did not ask you to buy me this and she'd be like I spent my money I'm like I did not ask you to spend your money on me okay like you didn't wear it but I don't want to wear it like girl I'm like Ooh, my, I'm like my mama has done that to me a few times and it's like and then there's a part that killed me is that I think it's the beginning of season um, episode three where she because her mom is trying to marry her um, marry her off so like she set her up um <laughs> on a blind date with a polar bear set up through a marriage yep. uh what do you call it? arranged marriage um, yeah. network right mm-hmm. and so the thing that killed me is that she sent her daughter she sent a recipe oh there's nothing wrong with getting set up through like um a blind date through uh <laughs> uh arranged marriage network right she like back in my day we thought it was kind of weird too but you know we all kind of did it and then afterwards she's like oh i didn't do it i married your father and the part that killed me is in wrestle like she went she's like hypocrisy <laughs> i nearly died i was laughing it was like yes. somebody make that into a gift for me please oh it has to be a gift by now if not i need to find it yes it was just like her, her mom was like shaming her just like well i didn't need it i'm like wow mama let's go i was like wow because she was like your father and i was almost like it's like love at first and she's like what <laughs> oh but it's like it's so crazy because like that's like a big overarching arc of this season of her mom constantly popping up with like here's a new one here's a new one but yeah the one with the polar bear kind of got me Cause I'm just like, you really photoshopped this polar bear man, like photo, <laughs> and like he ain't even like, near her age. He like what thirty five? She's twenty five. So there's a ten year difference, and like her mom was literally just trying to, and like nothing wrong with like age differences, but it's like her mama just wants to marry her off to anybody. Yeah, and I mean like the polar bear man, he had a good job. He could provide, but he seems so lax about like getting married or whatever. Yeah, like he like from and like based on what I'm seeing for this season. So like the main arc for this season is Resica ends up dating this donkey. Yes. Um, what's his name? Tenado. Uh. And so, yes. and so then there's this other her friend um, who's a spotted hyena named Haida. And so yes. apparently there is this whole love thing between them. So I'm um, spoilers. Apparently from what I'm seeing on toy on Tumblr, mm-hmm. she ends up breaking up with Haida um, Tanato because he doesn't want kids and she does, and so yeah. she ends with Haida. 
Well, no, actually, so the way it ends is that, so Tadano is the donkey, and he, so basically, um, they date and everything, and he's got this very much like, we don't need marriage, the world is moving and changing, like, we can just be together Uh, forever, I want to be together with you forever, but I don't want to get married. married kind of thing, yeah. Right. So like, that's his whole thing. It's like, he doesn't want to get married and he doesn't want to have kids. He doesn't see the point. If he doesn't see the point in something, he doesn't do it. And he's like this very techie person where he's like, if he doesn't get it, he won't do it or he'll try to figure it out. But like, he's just like very set in stone in that way. And Retzko is coming to the realization that she wants to have a family. She wants to get married. She wants like, she wants that in her life we're like in the previous season she didn't even know if that's what she wanted mm-hmm. she but now she knows for sure which I, I appreciate like she knows what she wants and she deserves to like find that with somebody who wants to be with her um not to say like like it's sad that that they didn't work out so like she tells him and like the only way she can because she's struggling to say it because he's even like you can quit your job and do nothing all day now because I'll pay for it because I'm rich. And I'm just like, this is everything she wanted last year. But now it's like without marriage, she doesn't want it. So it's kind of sad when you see like her break up with him. But like, yeah, Haida and her don't get together at the end of this season. Mm. So it's still like Haida was he was there to help get, help her for, confront him about it. Because yeah. the whole point that she wanted to break up with him she wanted to confront him about it, be like i don't want this like i like i want this i want to get married and like you can respect his whole thing of like if you don't want to get married you don't want to have kids then y'all aren't meant to for each other like it's just not yeah. gonna work this is, like, yeah this is what what's the line in relationships and i think that's an important conversation to have because like going back to like our previous episode where me and you were like dating is hell in 2019 mm-hmm. and it's hard and th- these are just some of the hard discussions you have to have when you date somebody. Heard him for red pandas. <laughs> <laughs> it was so sad seeing her break up with him and then be sad because like, I didn't want her to be with that jackass. <laughs> Pun intended. Literally. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> I've been waiting to make that joke for forever. <laughs> I'm so glad you laughed at it. Oh. So, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, they seemed really well together and she seemed happy, but like, I'm team Haida. I, mm. I think she should be with Haida. Um, they would be so cute. He's, he likes rock and roll. She likes metal music. It's a match made in heaven. And he's a good friend. But I like that Retzko chose herself at the end. But that's the important thing, right? Because the whole thing, like, as you, as you said, like we were discussing last week um, for the other student watching um, One Spring Night, where it's like the women, and especially it's about women de- choosing themselves. Yeah, they want to be in relationships, but like ultimately they want to choose themselves and have to do what's right for them. Like you mm-hmm. can't please everyone because at the end of the day, if you go into a relationship with someone who makes you unhappy, all the people who want you to be in this relationship with this person for whatever reason, they're mm-hmm. not the one who's going to be at home with you at night alone with this person if this person makes her behind miserable they're at home living their lives while you're at home miserable trying to please other people who aren't even going to be there to help you get through it right so like you got to choose yourself first and like you got to do what makes you happy because like you're born by yourself you die by yourself right so like do what makes you happy i agree and i mean like that's kind of like the important part is like her going along with what he wanted would have just meant she would have been resentful and unhappy 
Like, and, and yeah. let's go for a lot for a large part of things. She, for most people, she struggles with I think with confrontation. Yeah, and I and I I picked up on that a lot this season, mm-hmm. even in this episode I watched because last season she you understood where she was coming from because she had just started working in the corporate world and like yep. that first season was about her adjusting to like leaving college and going into the world of work mm-hmm. and working in a corporate environment and it's about that adjustment and like learning office politics as we would say yeah but this season is about her like she's there she's comfortable but she's not comfortable enough to like if someone does something that she doesn't appreciate like she's not comfortable saying it and is like she's as just as she's uncomfortable confrontation and she uses the karaoke bar as her her outlet for her mm-hmm. frustrations or even like the bathroom. Like I remember when I first started working um corporate, like my mom would always say, Don't let them see you cry. She's like, if you get upset, go to the bathroom or go sit and if you can take a walk around or if you need to cry, like, go to the bathroom and cry. And I literally I've done that a few times in my life where especially working in the corporate world. Like I've I literally gone to the bathroom and like ranted and raved and cried my frustrations out and then like you wash your face and readjust your makeup and you go back upstairs and that like nothing happened so like as they mm-hmm. say I related a lot to Razuka for, for that this season but this season is different because she has a new worker that she's training which is a knight mm-hmm. and he is I think he's a Japanese badger and he's very passive aggressive so he's like one of these guys that they will do something they know is wrong or inappropriate and it's not like sexually inappropriate just like office just like decor office decorum and like respect for whatever and she would like correct him which is her job as his trainer and he's very passive aggressive in the fact that he'd be like show one face to the other people in the office but like he sent her these rude tests and demanding an apology and i'm like yo bro Right. You don't answer a phone like this. And she's right for telling you. You do not literally shout at the people when they're calling you. Answer your phone there. Do what I do. Put on my receptionist voice. And you speak with decorum and with manners and respect. And then when you hang up the phone, then you can rant and rave. You don't get like a complete idiot on the phone. Right? But like he didn't appreciate it. Every time she corrected him for something, he like sent her this mean text demanding an apology. I'm like, no, that's not how it works. But That's not how it works. And he's just like, he can't get over the fact that he's not perfect. Mm-hmm. at this new job and it's like you're gonna make mistakes and I think nothing it's like watching this is like if you've ever had to train somebody I have <laughs> oh, same if you've ever had to train somebody on the job and they're just oh. like well you told me to do it this way I'm like okay well first off that's not how you do that that's not you if I showed you how to do it let's work back like did you skip a step did you move too fast did you go Mm -hmm. were you were you getting ahead of yourself somewhere that Mm -hmm. is what we need to discuss first because if you are about to accuse people and that's the problem is like you don't want to own up to the fact that you're not going to be perfect at this right now exactly in in like because like Mr. Toad the boss um He's like, these new college kids, I need you guys to break them in. And like, he's right to a certain extent. Like these, like this kid, he comes out of college. He's like super excited to work with everybody. But as soon as he gets a little criticism or a little feedback and like constructive criticism, criticism, a little feedback, he just like shuts down and is immediately like, well, what did you mean by this? And what did you mean by that? And like this and that. And like, well, I felt that I felt attacked. And I'm like, okay. I feel like I would choke him just because I cannot do this. No, you see, the thing that I wanted to ask, and this is why I'm glad we, that we are discussing it, because like, I was originally Caribbean from Barbados. So like at home, it's like 
pretty standard when, when we're in secondary school, which is high school for you guys. Mm-hmm. A lot of us have jobs. Like I started working, no joke. One of my first jobs was, was just today we go out to the center industry selling newspapers mm-hmm. on Sunday mornings. And we were like eight years old, eight, nine years old. So like I've always been accustomed to working. And then I went working in um, department stores at 14, 15. And and like I've had like I've always been working, right? And I've worked in like office jobs. I've worked as a librarian. I've worked as a receptionist, secretary, um, nanny, private nanny, working in a daycare center. I've been a barista. I've had all these jobs. And the thing is, I've always wondered is like because of my experience, I've worked so long, and it's so common in the Caribbean. It's so common in Barbados. Like we learn pretty pretty early how to mm-hmm. navigate the world of work. And when I watch a lot of these yep. um, North American shows, especially particularly American, like these, you and they go to college or university, and it's like, do they not do work? Uh, what do you call it? here in Canada? They're called co-op programs, where it's like when you're mm-hmm. at college or even in high school, you, like they start from high school, where you can go and work in an office and you get credits towards you can get credits towards your diploma, or when you're in high school, it's counted towards your um your final grades, and it helps you get a. Uh, a scholarship or when you're applying for a job that helps you get a job quicker and whatever because it shows you have work experience and I'm wondering like do they not do that in America is it like not standard for like you know we always watch kids shows with people like working at McDonald's or whatever that's standard mm-hmm. but the thing is it's like is it not part of the college curriculum or part of the college process where you have to go and work to go and acclimate and get used to working in whatever field so, you want whether it's architecture or whatever I'm like because like, when you watch these shows and these movies it always baffles yeah. me I'm like do you not know how to answer a phone like there's like mm-hmm. I, I, it boggles my mind I like for this in here it's the same thing I'm like dude like you know do you not know how to answer a phone like is this how you answer a phone when you're home Mm-hmm. Right, so like, ah, and like, Akrosuka is Japanese, which is, but it's the same yeah. kind of kind of thing, I right? Mean, like, huh? I mean, I think that's a good point because, like, culturally, I don't, I would, I would assume, like, like where it's based, or maybe, like, I, I guess it depends on like where the author was basing it on. Because culturally, I would assume that that like this person who came out of college maybe like already had an internship, but yeah, I'm going from the assumption that he didn't have an internship. Yeah, um, I'm guessing so because like, uh, Akrosuka is well, it's Japanese anime. It's like written and produced in, by a Japanese production company. But I, there's a lot of things that do feel kind of North American-ish mm-hmm. to me. And I guess because, I, especially when it comes to Japan, like a lot of their stuff is made to appeal to North American audiences, right? Especially because it's for Netflix. It's, it's um, Netflix is like it's licensed for Netflix, right? So it's produced yep. and made for Netflix. So like they know that their product is like being licensed by a North American company. So I'm, I get the feeling that they, a lot, even though they, there's a lot of cultural stuff, like with regards to like the arranged marriages and like the hierarchy and like that kind of, and that kind of stuff is very cultural to like Japan, but there's certain things that do feel like very North American-ish to me. So like, I'm guessing that's where it is because I'm like, I'm not, I'm, I do know a little bit about Japanese culture from when I took the classes, but like they do work programs on co-ops too. So I was like, huh? But and I'm not going to get too deep into it, but it's just something that I was like, these are simple things that like when, as you said, when you have to train people, you have to get accustomed to and you have to learn to hold back. So mm-hmm. like for Agra Suko, I kind of related to her for that because she's, she has all this bottled up, like not rage, but uh, frustration. Oh yeah, rage too. Frustration and rage that she can't express to like, especially to her superiors, and now to yeah. this day that she's training. But 
I, I think it's great that even if she can't do it at home with her mom or at work, she's able for her personal life to say, I'm going to put my foot down. I'm going to stand up for what's right for me romantically. Mm-hmm. And I, I like that Eva, at least in that one aspect of her life, she's able to like speak up for herself and she's able to like tell the other person what she wants and what she needs. Yeah, I agree because it's like, well, one I want to touch on. So from my experience, before I got my first full-time job, a requirement for my degree was that I had to have a, a, an internship. So Ooh. like, and that's, and that was my college. I think it varies from place to place for curriculum. I think more and more people realize you can't get a job. It's not going to be easy to get a job out of college without having some internships. Like unless you've been working somewhere for a whole year and you can prove that you've had, you've gained experience there. It's hard to get a job right. without an internship without already having done an internship. So for me, but then like, even then, like you said, like you started working, like when you were pretty young, I started working when I was 14. I mean, 12, if you count babysitting and being a nanny, but like I started working when I was 14 and my first job was working at Subway and it was hell. Mm -hmm. My first actual job, like with people paying, giving me a check was working at Subway and that humbles you and from there, I have had to clean houses for a summer. I have worked in a bakery. I have worked at Walmart. Mm-hmm. I have worked in so many various places that sometimes I have to look back and outside of like my marketing career at what I did before I even got into marketing and everything I learned from those experiences, I have taken into like my full-time career because jobs truly do build character. Like They do. Like, like when your parents tell you that, oh, it's it's going to build character. It's going to be like they're not lying. I can tell my mom and dad they were right, because truthfully, I don't I, I, I hate to think of like and I don't I don't think I naturally am like this, like pompous, like very full of myself per- person either. But like when I think about people who have like had no work experience, I'm not making any assumptions for people like it. But like, you know, the stereotype is like they feel that they are owed everything. And that like, so it's kind of like seeing that character feel like he deserved to be like his hand held more um, Mm. instead of saying like, instead of like vocally saying I'm struggling, I don't get it. Can you assist me further? Like, can you help me a little bit more? Like instead he feels like he doesn't like he makes progress because the hippo is the mother uh, in the in the in the office and she finds that she finds a way to help him learn and i'm just like because at some point he was getting annoying and he just wasn't doing any work from anybody like Haida had to step in and tell him to cut cut it out and like it's it, it, like it's like this is not professional and this is your first job yeah and i'm like and it he, he's he's a white Japanese badger right and the first thing that came to my mind was mm-hmm. like he's a white dude like if this was a black woman or another woman of color to that did the things he did I'm like they'd be out through the door so quick so fast like mm-mm you could you oh, get it with yeah. a lot of foolishness because even to, he did it, it even for him did it like the to, boss right he did it to everyone oh no he did it to toad he does it to toad he too. does it to the boss <laughs> yeah it goes to everybody ah and it's like, because like Toad hits him with like, new meat, go get me tea. He's like, that's not part of my job. And like, <laughs> which anybody should have said that at any point. But anyways. Yeah, I wanted to just, do that. I, I, but I've done that a couple of times where I'd be like, I'm sorry, but that's not in my job description. 
Mm-hmm. I've said that a couple of times, but as an intern, as an intern, it kind of mm-hmm. is in your job description as learning, but it depends also because sometimes you'd be like, I didn't spend all this money to be running around serving coffee, but you're mm-hmm. like, if everyone else is doing it, then that's fine. Like, cause like, if I remember it's correctly for, for the office, like, it's a schedule, right? There's, there's a schedule where like each person has a day where they do like the, yep. they bring coffee for the boss, whatever. So I'm like, dude, everyone else is doing it. So there's nothing wrong with you doing it. But if it's like, he's treating you as his personal girlfriend, you're like, this is not what I came here to do there. That's a different story. But yeah, like I met people like, um, and I, and it's be like, dude, dude. Yeah. No, I swear. <laughs> just do your job and listen. Like when I was just like when Haida had to step in, I was like, "That's my boy. I'm so proud. Look at our boy go." Haida <laughs> was just like, "I'm done with this shit. I'm tired of you like being mean and being backhanded and being toxic." And because like he had everybody fooled, thinking that like Retzka was being mean and like making her feel isolated from her own friends. Yeah, like ugh, that just got on my nerves. So yeah. That was really that was really good writing, mm. um, but back to just overall, I, I agree with you. Like I liked seeing that like Retzko like felt more confident in herself. Like I feel like she has confidence, but it's like it's more like the whole confrontation and talking about the hard things. Because I think last year what I liked a lot was that she was able to have like the confidence of like Gory and um, ugh, the secretary bird. The what secretary bird. She is. Um, what is her name? She is. Oh Lord, two, 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 There's so many names. I'm looking up now. Um, she is. Because there's a the thing where they have all the um the characters and their species. Oh, um, Miss Washimi. Oh yes, Washimi. So yeah, with when she like made a friendship with. Yes. And she's a secretary. I just like every time I'm just like I like look at her lashes, and I'm like when I looked up what those real what those birds look like in real life, I'm like they really have the most prettiest lashes. They do. They wow. have like super long lashes, and they have like these very um dramatic feathers around their eyes mm-hmm. and their tail. So they're very uh they're very flamboyant. I'm like yes. <laughs> I thought peacocks were full of themselves. I'm like okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah, so her and like Gory and Rashimi, I liked my favorite thing about like season two was that Retzka was able to find people that she connected with. And I even liked that they were like her mentors in a way. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that we got, we continued to see them and their friendship outside, like, of course, outside of work because they don't really interact at work, but outside of work, it was nice to see them like grow more. But like they were there to help. They were there to help Retzko like get her point across to the guy, and Haida stepped up and like he was able and he helped too. So it was it was just nice to see that she has these people around her there around her to help her get her help her get what she wants out, but like no one's speaking for her. Yeah, like, like no. you said, it's her picking herself and what she wants, and she's in, totally in her right to do that. Because I feel like if I were to be in a relationship with somebody and we find out that we have like we both have a deal breaker, I'm like, there's like we can try to make it work. But like if it's a deal breaker for both of us, I don't think it's something that's going to be resolved. Like, like in this situation, there's some things you can't compromise on. Yeah, there's just some things you can't compromise on. And it sucks to break up, but it's like it's better to break up than for you to suffer in silence and be unhappy and the, as happy as she was with him it's better for her to not be unhappy later on 
So yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, that is Agretsuko. Y'all go watch that. Highly recommended. Um, I can't wait for season three already. So I might have to binge this again. Uh, um, but what was, oh yeah. So now to wrap up things, let's go on to the movie corner. Um, okay, so for me, I did. So I, I, I'm not gonna be very long with this because I, to me, it was like, eh. I'm, and I'm gonna, which is kind of funny to say for a Marvel film, but I'm gonna discuss Spider-Man: Far From Home. So this is the second Spider-Man standalone film in the in the Marvel MCU. Technically, that's being rhetorical, Carolyn. It's the Marvel Cinematic Universe, otherwise known as the MCU. Mm-hmm. And this one is the one recently released. And this takes place after Avengers Endgame, which we all know came out and shattered everyone's heart. Um, so this is taking up, it's, I believe, a year after what we, um, outside the MCU, you call the snap, but in their world, they're calling it the blink, which, because I guess because literally for them, people disappeared in a blink of an eye and reappeared in a blink of an eye. Okay. I still kind of prefer the snap, though. Snap I prefer the snap. Snappier. Sounds better. Say the snap. Yeah. Yeah, it would have been cool if they had actually referred to it as the snap in the film because that would have been like a little bit meta nod to the fans and say, yeah, we see you, we got you. Yeah. But I thought mm-hmm. that would have been pretty cool. So it takes place a year after. So the short synopsis of it is following the Avengers Avengers Endgame, Spider-Man must step up to take on the new threats in the world that has changed forever. So in this this one is very, I think it was a very good step for them to have Homecoming. Sorry, to have Endgame, to have Far From Home kind of like come up after Endgame. And because, you know, they had already announced this film like when Homecoming came out. So we all knew there was going to be a Spider-Man film after ending which was like i don't understand what marvel was thinking marketing wise but you know they were like we at least knew who was mm-hmm. going to survive um based on that announcement but for this one i did not really like i liked it i didn't love it like homecoming i loved homecoming this one i'm like mm-hmm. eh. um if it was to rate it out of five i'd probably give it a two 2.5 mm-hmm. um it's not bad it's just it just wasn't as exciting for me as the other films. Like, you know what I mean? I don't know if it's because I have gotcha. MCU fatigue. I mean, maybe just because I have MCU fatigue and I'm just like, I just need a break from these films. It could be that, but it wasn't that exciting that. for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I can get right. that. And I mean, like, if you, I mean, I'm going to see this week, so feel free to, like, if there's anything, like, glaring that you just did yeah. not like, feel free to let it out. Um... To me, there's some plot holes in it, things that didn't make sense, and there's some tropes in it. I'm just sick and tired of seeing in films, mm-hmm. especially ones that focus on like teen, like teenagers. Okay, so like the biggest plot hole to me is we all know that when the snap ha- happened, literally half the universe died, and yep. then when Tony snapped at the end of Endgame, though the half that died came back. No, well, when Hulk snapped, it was Hulk snap that brought everybody mm-hmm. back. It wasn't Hulk snap, wasn't it? Tony snap. No, so oh, no, Hulk snap. Yeah, Tony snap kills Thanos. Brought back half. Right. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Thank you for correcting me. Um, because um, Hulk, because when he snapped his hand, disintegrated and the burst and the burst. Right. Yeah, we had this whole scene with the bird and like, oh, look at the bird, and then it was like, oh, boom, explosion. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, so they came back. So the thing was, we knew that people that went that that were snapped came back the five years later, and they did not age, mm-hmm. right? 
So now that I think about it, imagine a, a mom losing her baby and the baby coming back. Oh my goodness. Girl. Um, talk about tra- trauma, but imagine. But that literally just occurred to me as I'm sitting here talking oh. to you. But yeah, imagine a woman who gave birth and the baby died and then the baby comes back as a brand new baby five years. Wow. Yeah. Mind blown. But anyway, I digress. But um, so like in their in their school, so like this is so stupid to me. So and this is something that we had discussed when we when we discussed the film for the special endgame um podcast episode. Like what were you what were they gonna do for students that disappeared that disappeared and come back? So what their school, what they did is they had people who were leaving school finish re- redo their last year. Now I'm gonna tell you why this literally does not make sense. Wait, the ones who wait, the so ones you, who disappeared came so back. If I was a senior. If you were a senior and you were okay, yes. ready to graduate, mm-hmm. you were, you had to redo your last year to accommodate the people that came back. Does that make sense? Why would I do that? Does that shit make sense? Why would I do that? Why? It literally does not why, make sense to why me. Why would I do that? Why would you, why would they make no, them redo their last year? That literally makes no so sense. So I gotta be a, I gotta be a fifth year senior. You, you, you. I gotta be a fifth year senior. Yes. Why? But no, but no, but no. Here's the, here's the rub, the part that didn't make sense to me. So you have, so we all know it's like half. So just thinking mathematically. Mm-hmm. So the mathematical probabilities of half of, of it should be that half of Peter's school disappeared, right? Yeah. And half came back. Mm-hmm. Now you can you tell me. Why out of the all of the cast that the main cast one is there's only one student that ages and that's the one that's a character named Brandon played by Remy High. Can you mm. tell me why he's the only one who's 21 years old attending this school from what I saw? Like he's the only one that you can tell visibly aged. So like because the way they kind of showed it is they had and it's so stupid. It's like the character that was supposed to be his character is way younger. So like he would have been like 15 mm. then. And they have a an actor in like, they show like a picture of him like as when he was that age, who is clearly a preteen. Like this actor is like yeah. clearly 14, 15. And now you have Remy, who's supposed to be this character five years later. So he's redoing high school at 21 years old. Does nope. that shit make sense to you? No. And does it make sense to have this actor who looks like the age he's supposed to be, 21, surrounded by other actors who are acting more immature? And even though they're all literally in real life the same age, mm-hmm. but the way they have them acting and dressed, that you can tell there's a difference in mannerisms. Like he seems more mature. And it doesn't make sense. I'm like, but like, this is such a glaring plot. This is something that a lot of people are talking about at the end of the game. Like, what are you going to do? Like, like, okay, they came back. Let them finish high school. Why are you going to have students who are 21 years old? Like, That what? doesn't make sense. So, it doesn't sorry. make sense. I just have to say real quick, that doesn't make any sense because, and I'm going off of like, one of my examples is an anime. So there was, yeah. a, there's an anime called Sword Art Online. In the anime, the the characters who were playing this new like net gear thingy like that they put on their head and they go like they virtually go into the game like their mind goes into the game yeah so you go you basically go asleep and you like and then you're playing the game mm-hmm. um so plot twist um not really it happens in the first episode um everybody gets trapped in the game when they were in the game right next time I miss my film but who continue 
Um, so they get trapped in the game and literally then they find out if you die in the game, you die in real life, you die in real life. Yep. So what happens at the end of the series, like eventually the people who get out of the game, like they, the person who wins and somebody has to beat the game in order for everybody to be free. So yeah. they beat the game, they get the, they're set free. Um, <laughs> so what they do, this makes sense. Everybody, because like it was in the, like in 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 Japan, it was nationwide. People mm-hmm. were stuck in the game. I think they said around forty thousand people, and of those right. forty thousand, there were maybe like fifteen thousand kids who were playing the game. Who were playing? That sounds the like game. memories of the Alhambra. That happens, mm-hmm. like in the. Do you, you remember? Do you remember? We talked about this, like in the game. Like yes. if people die in the in the VR game, like they mm-hmm. they literally die in real life. But whatever inju- injuries they sustain, like they sustain in real life too. But mm-hmm. yeah, sustain, yeah. But I literally just popped my head. But yeah. yes, yes, we did talk about this. So yeah, exactly like that. So when they get the the students who were in high school, when they they literally they didn't make anybody come back with them. They had the kids who came out of the game. They made a school which was already existing. They just mm-hmm. had them all go to that school, and so they could catch up. That makes sense to you, right? That makes sense. Like me, take like wh- why make the people who were living here and going through this hell by themselves? Which I'm sorry, it's already hard enough that all my friends are dead. I mean, granted, maybe they want to give me the option if I want to go back and like finish another year with them. Cool. Give me an option. But making me have to go back and finish school doesn't make any sense. Like the, and, world, and, and, the world didn't stop completely. No, like the world went on like people age. Tony had a five year old daughter. And then the other kicker is and it just occurred to me. Ned, who apparently it seems it's not clear, but I'm assuming I'm going to have to rewatch this again because it it. It just doesn't make sense. Ned, mm-hmm. I'm assuming, got dusted too. But yeah. yes, so he came back and he's dating a girl who stayed, which means she's like older oh. than him. What? Because like know. they because when they disappeared, Peter was in because he's 16. When yeah. they disappeared, they were 16. And well, no, they were 15. Were they, they were 15? 15. Okay. So she's five years older than, well, technically oh. six because this is taking place a year after they came oh. back. Okay. So what? I'm like, did these men who wrote this, and like the writers are Steve Dicko, Chris McKenna, Eric Somers. I'm like, did they even think about this? Because there's another thing that happens that bugs the hell out of me. And it's this, like, I, I think my main thing with this, that I'm in this whole review that I'm doing is, I'm gonna try not to go on too long, but it's like just things that just bug me about this one, which stopped me from like fully enjoying it. Mm-hmm. And there's this character, this woman, and so she's supposed to be working for Nick Fury. Um, and for Happy, like you, like you know, now that Tony's gone, he has to rely more on Happy and Nick Fury to like you know like operate and do whatever. Mm-hmm. And so she has a new suit. So she says she has a new suit for him, and they're in Budapest. No, they're in Prague. So like. Nick Fury is like, Nick Fury's like, okay, there, there's this woman here. She's, she's going to be, so she's like an operative or whatever. And so she has a new suit for Peter. So she has a new suit. So she goes in a row into the, he, so he goes into the room where she is. And she's this boy that she does not know. This 16 year old boy that she does not know. She's going to be like, take off your clothes. Uh, uh, like she's supposed to be giving him the suit. And I'm like, does, is this shit supposed to be funny and humorous? I'm like, no, this is a 16-year-old boy. That's that a grown woman is telling to take off his clothes. Like, if you have a suit for him to put on, leave the freaking room. Why are you still in there? And it's supposed to be laughed up as being humorous. I'm like, this shit is not funny. It bugged me. I'm like, does no one think this, does, did no one see a problem with this? Like, 
Yeah, is I mean, it because we, we we know Tom Holland is like twenty six or whatever? Is it because we all know that Tom Holland is this age that we kind of buy into? That? I'm like, no, this character is supposed to be sixteen. People get it yeah. right and stop with this stupidness. I'm like, I, and it's, it's a trope like, that we see. Like, uh huh. Yeah, it's not like a do- like it's not like even like if it was a doctor, I would like, huh, okay, funny. Like if she's an actual doctor, like a doctor, doctor, that's it. Like, but even then, you have a parent coming to the like, room because he's a minor. Well, no, yes, that that yes, that's the creepy thing. But He's it's like I guess I guess the thing is like because it's shield and everything, and I don't no. know if it's because people don't know how to treat Peter as like Peter, like Tony understood no. that he was a child. Exactly. Like, yeah. Well, he, well, he did ask him to be a but there are certain things that Tony did that I didn't like. But there's other things that I'm like even Tony would have been like, no. This is yeah. inappropriate, and I'm like, this is. I'm like, this is inappropriate. Does no one see this? Do we have to remember Peter is still 16 years old? And like, I think that's a problem that I, I'm having with Marvel and this character is because they're forgetting his age. They're forgetting what his age is supposed to be. And I'm going to tell you, this is how you can compare this to Black Panther. Now, Shuri is a teenager, and you remember that she's a teenager with all of her um, intellect and everything. She's still treated like a teenager. She's still like a teenager people remind her that she's a teenager so that it's at the forefront of your mind when she does her system you're like okay this is a teenager saying this mm-hmm. and but with peter it's like people forget he's supposed to be a teenager like he's 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 not a fully grown adult he's not even 18 or 17 he's 16 yeah and and still in high school you have this grown woman this stranger telling him to strip in front of her and that bothered that bothered me yeah. And uh, no, they tried comedy works there, it, and it's supposed to be humorous. But then the thing that bothered me about that is that so okay, so like the character Brandon, who's played by Remy Hai, mm-hmm. he apparently he has a thing for MJ. So again, we have this whole needless this thing for a love triangle that we don't need, mm-hmm. right? It did it, it wasn't needed because we all know that he was going to end up with MJ anyway, but. Then, so he comes into the room. He sees Peter taking off his clothes in front of this woman. And before he would be like, and he's supposed supposed to be an adult, okay? Mm -hmm. Before he looks and say, what are you doing in here with this boy? Like, what is going on? He's going to run out and leave Peter. And he'd be like, I'm going to go tell MJ. He's going to tattle because he wants to be with MJ. So he's going to go and tattle to MJ that I'm going to tell him. He took a picture. What? Uh, He took a picture because like. Peter had his pants off, so you can see him in his shirt and his underwear. He took a picture, and then he's able to go tell MJ that you're doing this because she needs to know. I'm like, no, what? you need to go tell a teacher. You need to go tell a teacher that a 16 year old boy is half is like stripping in a room with a grown adult. Like that's that should be I'm your just, priority right now. Like I'm you're just, an adult. Like I'm did dying. no one think this is true? This boy I, is 21 I, years old, and he's gonna go take this picture. Yeah, I was inappropriate. That's I was hella. going to the teacher. I'd be like, I'd be like, teacher, there's a woman here. But <laughs> Peter, like, I don't know what the hell is going on, but it's you need to come see this. It's also hella inappropriate what? that he's pursuing MJ. Thank like, you. It's inappropriate, like, and it, I guess it's the concept that like they don't the ones who, and I, I think it would be the ones who came back would feel that maybe more, like the ones who came back, like, oh, you were just my age. Of course, it's fine for us to be together. I'm like, no. No, because she doesn't even really like him anyway. So that's why I said, like, it's not as if she's showing interest exactly. in him. It's like, it's one thing she was showing interest in, like, there's potential here. But mm-hmm. th- there isn't, like, there isn't no need for this stupid love triangle because Ugh. that reminds me so much of one of those John Hughes movies. I'm like, we do not need a stupid love it's triangle like, trope. It, 
he can why can't he just be a friend to MJ? Why can't he be her friend? Never why can't he be Ned's you friend? Know, you like, know they're not gonna do that. <laughs> so it bothered me. But the thing with yeah. his character, the only thing that they appreciate the character is he's the only one with common sense with the, with the thing, which is another part that pissed me off. And I told my sister about this. So like first and first, you have Nick Fury who diverts their group to Prague. And okay. I'm like, is no one, none of the teachers are gonna question why their bus driver is driving to Prague. Of this is not. literally kidnapping. This is kidnap. Nick Fury kidnaps <laughs> a bus full of high school students. This is prop. This is illegal as hell. One, and the teachers aren't questioning it too. So the teachers are stupid, is what you're telling me again. And then there's a part where Peter leaves the group. They're going. They all after all the shenanigans in, in Vienna and Prague. Like they're like, okay, we're gonna go home because this trip is like bogus and whatever. They're going home, and Brandon is like again with a light bulb. He's like, is no one going to question the fact that Peter Parker, a minor, is missing? Is no one going to question that his <laughs> boy has ups and lefts? I am like, thank you! Are the teachers not going to worry? Because he's like, so what, we're just supposed to buy that this guy went to a family event? He's like, he has no family! Mm. Peter Parker only has his aunt May. What family event are you people talking about? He was an orphan! I do like the whole, like, le- yes, let's show how incompetent the adults are. <laughs> and it's so but it's not only the, the teachers, like even the other students, I'm like, is no one gonna question that? Like he just ups and leaves with what luggage? He didn't even take any luggage. That's what he's saying. He's like, where is he going? Is he like, does no one find it weird that this boy leaves all the time? He's a student, like you teach, he's like, Are you gonna be concerned? And the part that kiss, it piss, piss me up is MJ. She's like, What are you jealous or whatever? I'm like, he's like, No, he's like, this should be concerning you. Like, so because one student t- says a line that I think is completely stupid like the two of the, the adults in the group are gonna take her word over the other uh, the other adult who's like saying like uh does no one see a problem here and like mm-hmm. those kind of stupid inconsistencies ruin it for me and then there's a whole thing with a spoiler plot point you know this you guessed it actually when you told me what you thought the plot was gonna mm-hmm. be where mysterious actually betraying and he's lying where mm-hmm. it's like so okay so he has these things that are the holograms they're the monsters we see and they're supposed to be elementals or whatever i knew it and they're holograms all of this freaking destruction. Houseway. They're oh. holograms. So, like, the holograms are created by these girls that can, like, create, like, little, like, that do have weapons. But the scale of the destruction does not match the number of drones that they have. And I'm mm-hmm. like, you had, like, all of these buildings falling. I'm like, ain't nobody going to question where these, like, how? How? Like, so much shit don't make. I know I'm, like, supposed to suspend disbelief. But still. Still. Like I can't, I can't suspend this week, but I can't suspend common sense, people. <laughs> do you I'm like writers are asking you way too much of me. Do you think it's because part of it is like because you work with kids, right? Yeah, I do. I work at a, I work at a public, a, a public school. I, do you think part of it is because of that? Because I mean, like I think you've made all the very common sense comments there. I mean, because I agree. Like I, as a t- like, if I like, because you, if you were, if you're working with kids, if you like know you're responsible for them. You would be like, where is this child? Like, no, let me meet your family. Exactly. You can't just wander off and like, no one, like what? Like you have to get permission from the schools. Like, well, you get a phone call saying that thing. That's not how shit works. I think it would be more, (laughs) I think it would be more fun. So do you remember the Lizzie McGuire movie? Vaguely. I watched it, but vaguely remember. I remember she, but she was like, because she was a teenager. Was she like 14 or something going off of this big hard Batman? Girl, that this is when it just this is this is when it just made no sense when 
Yes, it made no sense. I think the boy, the boy who was in Italy, I think he was like 15 or 16 and like she was 14. So that was the whole thing. Like he was a teenager. She was a teenager. But you saw like how many I think what's more funny is like the excuses that she had to come up with. And then she would go and sneak out to go and do these things. Like if, I think it would be more then, funny. If, if, like... I think it would be more funny if like Peter was making up crazy excuses or like, oh, I'm sick. I can't go. And then like, go. Wait, no, like, he just wanders off. Like, right. no one, like, come on, come on. I think that was some, I think that's more funny. Like, what is it called? The, um, what's his name's days off? Ugh, I'm in Chicago. I'm in Chicago. Uh, Ferris Bueller's day off. Yes, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Like, because I feel like the Spider Man franchise really likes oh. the nostalgia ish things. Like, how oh, the they films from those 80s, right? I think that's what that's that's why I think like the whole thing sure reminded me of like, excuse mm-hmm. the fireworks people, it's Canada Day here, so there's people sending out fireworks all over my neighborhood. <laughs> no, um, <worries. laughs> um, but yeah, I think they did, they're copying like a lot of those films from the 80s, mm-hmm. um, like John Hughes and whatever, and I'm like, Stop it! It's 2019. This these stupid tropes no longer. They're not. I mean, if you're gonna do it, if you're gonna do it, at least make it more entertaining. Mate, you can make it more entertaining, but then like, just don't like. Just how about like? There's only for the love triangle that we know is never gonna come to fruition. Oh, that 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 can. I'm tired of them making the adults complete idiots. I'm like, these are people who went to university. They're teachers. They're science teachers. They're supposed to be smart. How sway do you, are you making them lack so much common sense? Like, why? It's not funny. It's aggravating and frustrating. Writers, please stop doing this. Please. I'm so tired of seeing adults made into complete buffoons just so you can have teenagers come with implausible excuses to get away with things that they don't need to get away with. Like, oh. Yeah. I mean, they cannot the whole bus. No one is going to question that. Of course not. But we got like what, maybe one more movie of him hey. being in high school. So I kind of just want him to like. I kind of want to see a, a time skip. Even as much as I hate the time skip tropes, just I kind of want to see a time skip with him, or just, just be it. out of school. Just, just be out of high school. Going, not even going into college. Just like. <sighs> Because like going mean, to college, that'll be more school shenanigans, isn't it? He can just be, that'll study be the ones that Toby McGuire. Shield. He can just work. He can just be like you know. Yeah, he don't need to go to college. I mean, he don't have to. He, college would just really be a cover. They could say he's enrolled and he can pop in when he wants to. But like, truthfully, he can work at Shield and go to school there. Yeah, exactly. Learn with the smartest go, people ever. Go, go work with go, go take work a with year Riri. Show us Riri. That's what I'm saying. Yes, I'm waiting. I I'm calling it. I'm putting it out into the universe. Riri has to come through. I want her to come in, like, because Spider Man's age, that's the only reason, like, I really want him to stay where he is right now. It's because I I want, I I just want it to be like, this is like, he's now the Iron Man, where he's like Mm -hmm. reaching out, like, he's like a branch or what is it called, like a degree away from like the next generation of Avengers. But that's kind of what they hinted at in this film, right? Like, mm-hmm. literally, not even hinted at, like, big, bold, that's what they tele- kind of telegraphed with this, with one of the plot points of the film. Exactly. And, like, I'm fine with that, but, like, if they're going to do that, they, this could be a great way to introduce Riri Williams because, like, exactly. if he goes to work with um, Sheila, he goes to work at Star Industries, have her be one of the interns there. Um, so, I'm done. I'm not going to harp anymore on it. Like, when you watch it, the two of us can discuss it, like, that. you'll see what I mean. There's a lot more stuff that does not make sense to me. Okay. I just, I was like... Meh. 
I think, yeah, I'm like, I'm going, I want to see it because it's like, it's the first movie after Endgame. But yeah. like, like you, like I told you, I guessed a, a bunch of the plot, like just from like what I saw. And it's not like I take joy in like guessing the plot. It's more like, I want to know what to expect. But at the <laughs> same time, I, I am looking forward because like now we're seeing the world after everything yeah. that happened in Endgame. But like, it is kind of disappointing when you just like hear like the little things where it's like, okay. I know we're not going to unpack every tiny little thing that happened after the snap and then after the second snap, but it's kind of like, this is where we should have had Daredevil, Luke Cage, and Jessica Jones. The other one could go away, but this is where, and and Punisher, those shows should have stayed because it would have been interesting and really good to see the snaps effects on those characters and their worldview. Yes versus you're ne- we're never going to get that unpack like that impact in the movies like we'll we'll get it but we're not going to get as in as an in depth as it is right because like what we what they could have done was like how we saw in um in endgame like how the team was functioning in that five years the f- the shows could have been taking place in that five years right because this is where they as superheroes would have really been needed because they didn't have the Avengers or whatever. This is where they could have really shined. And this is where they could have taken the show that show us these superheroes now becoming more um, involved in their communities because you have, you don't, you no longer have the Avengers. Right. So that would be interesting to see, but alas, we can't know. Well, where are those shows? They probably don't think they're going to be on Disney Plus, right? No. But anyway, so that I, was my don't think, I think it's more like they're not going to happen anymore. They might come back maybe five or ten years from now or never. Mm. But we will never see those people beat them again, which makes me more mad. Yeah. I would like to. I mean, most of them kind of like wore and tore, like, <laughs> tore me down. But like Punisher could come back. Mm. He can, Frank Castle can always come back. But they won't let me be happy. So. Yeah, so that's my review of Spider-Man Far From Home. Got it. Meh. 2.5. I, 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 I will hit you up when I go see it, I think, tomorrow. I um, will say Jake Gyllenhaal was just as fine as ever, and he really is listen. a great actor. And I think he really did a really good job with the, with the character. Mm-hmm. And I think he's a good villain. He could have been a little bit less stereotypical. There's yeah. a there's some aspects of his character are very stereotypical, but I like kind of like I kind of like the I kind of like how they show like when when they revealed what the origin of his character is, like how his character how mm-hmm. he kind of became a serial. Like that's interesting. So I I like Jake Gyllenhaal. I like his performance and like the the performances were fine. Like the performances were good. The CGI, the VFX, all of that was good. The score was really good, everything. Mm-hmm. But the story itself was mm, okay. Eh. Well, that is good to know because yes, I'm going mostly for Jake Gyllenhaal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's my another one of my men. Him and um, his beard, hey, hey, mm-hmm. man with a good he's beard. Fine, he's looking mm-hmm. fine. I ain't gonna lie, he's looking fine, sir. Fine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, he has aged well. You know what? Mm. We're gonna go down a thirst spiral. So I'm gonna pull us out, and we're going to. I'm gonna talk about. I'm gonna keep it brief because I feel like this. My review will be brief of it. Toy Story Four. Ooh. So, it's a good. It's it's a movie. Mm. Um. <laughs> it's, it's I feel the same as you I don't know if I'd give it a two but there's just like there's things I'd love about it 
But there's also things like, so you've watched all the Toy Story movies, correct? I have. Okay, as have I. As any, well, I haven't watched four, but spoil it away. Oh, yeah, but yeah. I, I, yeah, I'll get to the spoilers. <laughs> so with Toy Story, where we went from like Toy Story 1 to 3, I felt at the end of Toy Story 3, that was a great way to close that chapter on those characters. It's not right. that I didn't want to see a Toy Story 4. It's just that I was like, you know what? It's fine if this is where we end. It is okay if this is where the story ends. But then, you know, like, you know they're going to keep going because they, like, did a short movie, like a 30-minute movie, some specials and other stuff with, like, with the characters still, with the new child, Bonnie, having the toys. So it's, yeah. So I'm just going to give y'all a brief summary. So the film continues from Toy Story 3, where Sheriff Woody and Buzz Lightyear, among their other toy friends, have found new appreciation after being given to, by Bonnie to by Andy to Bonnie. They're introduced to Forky, a spork that has been made into a toy, and embark on a road trip adventure. Um, so, yeah. So, like, th- I, I would say this, it's been a year, I'm assuming. It's been some time since Andy gave Bonnie... Um, his toys and like he like gave her the responsibility of taking care of them and like playing with them and everything so now after all this time Bonnie's gotten like Bonnie Woody isn't a favorite toy anymore Bonnie rarely plays with him ever mm-hmm. Like he, she even takes off his sheriff badge and puts it on Jesse. Like Jesse is probably her favorite. Yeah, yeah. It it it, it is brutal when she picks him up and then takes the badge because he thought he was gonna get played with. Um, and it's just like, oh, Woody. So keep in mind, Woody's been a toy for like since the forties. Mm-hmm. And he's always, like he's always been a favorite toy. Like he was Andy's dad's toy. He was probably Andy's grandpa's toy. And he's just been passed down to family. So he's used to like, he's not used to like having the, come to acceptance of not being a favorite toy. So he's, he's dealing with the crisis of not knowing what his identity is anymore. So mm. I, I liked that level of it. Then enters Forky. Bonnie makes a friend out of trash. Basically she takes, oh. Yeah, because Woody follows her to school and like she sees she doesn't have any arts and crafts supplies. Um, uh, and then like by some chance she like he grabs a whole bunch of stuff out the trash bin, tosses it, but no one sees him. <laughs> and she makes a toy to help her feel like comforted at school because you're not so then it's her first day. It's like pre it's like kindergarten orientation. So she's trying to get used to her first day at school. So all that happens. It, I just want, I really want to unpack, not like in depth or anything, but like the children in the Toy Story world can imbue life into inanimate objects as long as they feel that thing is a toy. That's been, that's what I took from this. It's like, well, that kind of makes sense. Yeah. Cause it's like, it's basically they imbue their imagination into the piece. So now they are living. And like, that's not some major like altering thing, but it's like, uh, okay. And it's new for the toys too. So that's one part of the plot. The other part of it is by they, when they go on this road trip, Forky is determined to become trash. So that's, I guess, an interesting part about it is that Forky doesn't want to be a toy. Essentially Forky doesn't want to live. Forky wants to be trash. Mm. Forky wants to be thrown out. That's interesting. He has a fatalistic personality. Right. But it's not like something they're going to dive deep into, but it's just something I thought about, like, 
he didn't want to be alive. He didn't want to be here. He wants to be trash. So it's kind of like Woody's convincing him of like, you're a toy now. Bonnie loves you. You have like so much more now. And then like you give her comfort. And then eventually Forky comes to understand like, oh, okay, I get it. I'm a toy now. So I guess that's kind of like, it's that's cute, whatever. But like, they're not going to dive into like the fork not wanting to be alive. Um, Which of course, it's a child's movie. I didn't, I don't expect anybody to try and unpack that in a child's movie. Um, But to fast forward, Woody, by some chance on this road trip, him and Forky get separated from the group. They come across a store and uh, 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 like a pawn shop or an ant- an antique store, and he sees Bo Peep's lamp. So Bo Peep was from the first and second movie, which I guess is like Woody's love interest. Um, yeah, I like her. She's pretty badass and pretty in this one. Mm-hmm. I really like this. I liked so that was one of my most favorite things. It's just like seeing Bo Peep go from like this fragile, what I assumed was like porcelain doll kind of thing like you know like like porcelain hands and porcelain yeah she is porcelain like porcelain hands and face and arms and then like you see that like after she was like basically given away and then she chose to become a lost toy because she didn't want to live her life stuck on a shelf collecting dust and I'm like yes Bo Peep go live your life and have like and and do you so it's like it was kind of I, I really liked that part about it um do you want me to spoil the end sure so I don't know how to feel about this because in a way I'm happy, but then in a way it's kind of like, meh, sad. Um, so at the end of it, so I guess one thing is like, I won't spoil the middle part, but yeah. So at the end of it, Woody decides to stay with Bo Peep and become a lost toy with her. Oh, okay. So he, and it's like, he's truly understanding that like, he has to choose his own path. He doesn't have to be somebody's toy he can be his I guess it's like he can be his own person he could be with her and so how do lost toys operate then do, like do they just wander around the country so basically <laughs> the way they operate in a way yes but the way they operate is that they were like um they'll go to a playground like they'll pick places to play like to mm. be played with so like they're like there's toys at the playground and all these kids come to the playground they play with the toys so it's oh, like okay. they they kind of like pop up at places where they know kids are going to be at and they play with the kid and, and they get played with and it's like but also it's like bo peeps kind of thing is like i get to do what i want i'm not I, nobody owns me i get to play when i want to play like it's like oh that is kind of sweet that is cute like like the way she, the way they put it and then like they also find that their mission now is to help kids help toys find their kids right so i'm like oh that's sweet like woody's found his purpose but it kind of makes me feel like how iron man dives into end game it's not like i was sad that tony died but it's kind of like i wanted tony to just be out of commission i didn't want yeah. him to be gone so it's kind of like with this one where do you go with the toy story franchise do you continue with the core group because i imagine they're not going to continue keep going with woody like woody's off doing his own thing with bo peep so they're not gonna continue things with buzz and i mean i mean i would assume because four seems like an odd number a weird number to end a movie a movie franchise on so is it just that like the, the the franchise continues with the other toys 
that'd, that'd be interesting. Or maybe they introduce new toys. But then I'd be kind of like starting off the story again with um, Buzz, right? Yeah, I think that's the thing. And I mean, like, I think about it too. Like, Buzz is like over 10 years old. So it's kind of like Buzz is still like a toy, Jesse and all them. Like, and the, okay, so that was my one, gri- one of my gripes. It's like, you don't get much of Jesse um, in this movie or much of Buzz and Woody together in the movie. Um, like, there's just not that bond where you see like all the toys bonding together. Granted, it, you, they couldn't do it with like the story and everything, but I just thought like, oh, I, I really missed, like if this was like their final goodbye, it would have been cool if like Jesse was like with Buzz when he went looking for Woody. Like, I don't know. It just felt like a piece was missing to me. But like to your to your answer your question, I think I guess it's like maybe they do just continue it and they introduce new toys and maybe they'll end it at Toy Story Five. But it's kind of like it's sad that they part ways, but it's I guess it leaves you with a it's good that Woody has found his purpose and he doesn't feel like his life is gonna be like wasted away and not being like um it's not that Bonnie doesn't love him but he's not her favorite toy. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll still watch it, but yeah, I kind of like, it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see because I was interested in Sparky because I'm like, eh, Sparks. I remember in camps used to have Sparks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I'm a completionist. I like, like, if there's a series, I like to finish it. Um, so yeah, I'll still watch it, but it'll be interesting to see. Like, I, I was also interested to see what they did with Bo Peep's character because they, mm-hmm. in the last film, like, they really did develop her a lot. So I'm glad that they're giving her more in this one. And maybe she might get her own, like, miniseries yeah. or something. That would be cool to see. I, I, I did really like that Bo Peep had more to do in this than any other, you know, vert, any other of the previous movies. Granted, like, those movies were made, like, almost 20 years ago. Yeah, and we know why it's like Bo Peep was usually like waiting for Woody to come back and then like I think that's like a part of her character she's like I got tired of waiting for people I got tired of waiting so I decided to just go do my own thing and I'm like yeah she chose and she found her own purpose and I think that's an important thing where it's like you transition it's kind of like transitioning a phase in your life where like I think maybe like people who are slightly older you know like have had kids and now they're empty nesters and that's how i looked at woody he's like an empty nester he doesn't have a kid anymore really and he's learning how to let go of bonnie but also find his own identity well that's kind of yeah so i guess it's more this is like we've always said that uh like people always say that the Pixar films are for both adults and for children. So that's one of those things. As you get older, I guess you could relate to more. Yeah, that's true. Oh, this thing's going on. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess that's it, right? So that's the... Yep. So how much, so, what would you rate What would you rate it as? Oh, you're going to make this difficult for me. <laughs> yes, yes, I will. I am... For nostalgia, I want to say it three, but for how much I enjoyed it, I want to say it two. So mm. two. Like I, I love Toy Story. I think it's just, and I love Forky. So I'm like, I love Forky saying, "I'm trash. I'm trash. I'm trash." <laughs> it's funny. Um, but uh, which oh, by the way, if y'all are listening to this, go check out Lizzie's post on But Why Though, where she talks about how she saw her saw imposter syndrome in Forky. 
I thought that was a very interesting read. Um, quick plug for that. But sorry, back to this. Uh, like you said with Spider-Man, it's not that it's a bad movie. I just, yeah. there's, there's just things I'm like, I can't, I don't know. I'm just not completely happy with. And I'm like, I'm, I'm a 27 year old woman. I'm going to be more critical than a child is with this movie. So I, and like, I understand it's a children's movie and everything. I'd like, I'd like that it's continuing the whole, like moving on and kids got to grow up and all in parts of life and whatnot. So I like that about it, but I give it a two, like, it's not terrible. Still go watch it. If you want to check it out, if you, if you like the, the Pixar movies, but that's where I am with it. Yeah. Sure, but yeah. Keanu Reeves, sorry, my bad. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, was it Duke's? Uh, Duke Kaboom. Duke, Duke, Duke Kaboom, yes. Canadian action figure. He's a Canada's hero. I just want to say, that's what he calls himself. Yeah, I, I just want to say, Keanu Reeves bumps it to a three. <laughs> there. He saved it. Um, Keanu is hilarious. Put Keanu in everything. Anything animated, give his voice to all things because that was probably some of my favorite parts. Is just Keanu Reeves, like his grunts were posing, like, oh yeah, who, ha, just, I can picture it. And like, if you look at the videos of him doing it behind the scenes, it is just so adorable and pure. And that man, I love that that man has been having a hell of a few years, he deserves, he does. Uh, so without Keanu Reeves, this movie is a two. With Keanu Reeves, this movie is a three. And uh oh, so there you go. So you have you give it a solid three. With Keanu Reeves, yes, <laughs> I give it a I give it a three because that 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 was very entertaining with it all. Um, but yeah, with that, I think that brings us to a close. Except we have an announcement to make. Somebody got their badge to a certain place yes i did yes you did tell the people what you got i got my badge to san diego comic-con and it's a fancy badge came in a fancy box and everything so i will be at san diego comic-con from the 18th to the 21st of (laughs) july (laughs) (laughs) representing (laughs) representing the podcast and Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Representing but why though podcast community at Sadia Comic Con. So look up for that. I, I'm not sure what hashtag we're gonna use yet, but we're gonna announce it and I'll be doing I'll be taking pictures from the convention floor. I'm gonna be doing the uh what do you call the exhibitions, exhibits and um exhibitions on display. I'm gonna be attending panels in Hall H. So I'll be sending videos and photos from there. Um I would take pictures of the booths, the artist alley, food, sights and sounds. So look up for that. I'm gonna try to do my very best to make it fun and entertaining for everyone. So yeah, look up for my coverage at San Diego Comic Con. I'm very excited. This is my first year attending as press. I had a lot of fun last year uh, just attending, just to like see, get the experience of it. And I had a lot, had a lot of fun then. I'm sure we're gonna have a lot of fun now. It's gonna be more work now because I'm gonna be officially doing work. And so pray for my energy levels, people. <laughs> yes, um, so, all the energy. Yeah, I'm gonna be like pace myself. Pace myself is gonna be the key theme for my for me at that event. I'm gonna have to pace myself. 
Yep. Man, it's gonna be, I'm sure it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to be seeing different panels, attending different interviews. And yeah, we'll see what happens, people. So keep an eye out for that. Um, yeah, so that means that our, I don't know, we might have to do a special recap for, for that. I'm not sure yet. We'll see. Yeah. Um, I think that's it for, for, for big announcements. Do you have any big announcements? Ooh, girl, no. My summer been dry a little bit. But <laughs> I guess one thing that I'm trying to get going that I'm going to try for is the Chicago Film Festival. Ooh, That's when something. is that? Um, I am waiting for dates and confirmations. I, I mm. don't know if, like, this is a case of terrible website design and or whatever, but, like, it happens typically in the fall. I just haven't oh, fun. Okay. And, and I guess with Chicago, it's not at one set location or one downtown area. Mm-hmm. Like there's there's um like different theaters around Chicago. So you just buy the ticket and yeah. go to the film the film you want to go to. So it's kinda like Yeah, it's the just, same way. Yeah. It's the same way, but it's it's weird because it's like you basically throughout like I guess over the course of two weeks it's like you just gotta look it up but i don't think it's as high as demand as Mm. like when i was at south by which i'm thankful for so i'm just gonna keep y'all updated i'm gonna hopefully apply to be pressed there and i'm just trying to like wait and see like what's coming there that way but that's all that i have on deck as far as like i guess what i would consider a big announcement so fingers crossed with that yep um and with that Thanks again, guys, for listening to another episode of So Here's What Happened. As always, you can follow us and chat with us on our Twitter at SHWH underscore pod. Please come over there, chat with us about, you know, you know, whatever you want to talk about. Keanu Reeves being great. Um, Mm -hmm. If you find the Spider-Man movie is trash, we will start a thread where we can talk. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. (laughs) It's not trash. It's not trash. Oh, but I, I was just making, I was just poking fun. But yeah, we can just different things over there. Also, we, the But Why the Community is doing, sorry, this is an announcement. The But Why the Community is doing a giveaway in honor of the Avengers Endgame re release, which I don't even want to unpack how they make it more money off of us, but I'm going to go see it again. Um, I ain't seeing it again. I don't need to see Hawkeye doing his shit again. Oh, I've already planned. That's when I'm going to take my bathroom break. And then when they go to that Vormir or whatever, I'm going to go to the bathroom again. I just don't, I don't care. Anymore. I don't care. I'm not watching it again. Um, I'm just going to go to the bathroom or go get popcorn or get cheese sticks. I'm going to do that. <laughs> so, yeah. But the But Why Though podcast community, if you go to the But Why Though um twitter page you will see that we are doing our giveaway and there is the special edition funko pops a special edition poster for the re-release uh with the iron man gauntlet with all the with the iron man infinity gauntlet and a few other fun things so go ahead check that out you can even win a little special cap funko pop so you can bring america's ass home I'm on a roll today. <laughs> no interest for that because me and Karen yeah. can't enter and win legally. So yeah. Um, and with that, you can find me at la underscore ny underscore sha. Carolyn, where can I find you? You can find me on Twitter at Carrie C A R R I E C N H one two on Twitter and Instagram. I've started uploading more on Instagram. So for SECC, I'll definitely be doing that more. So you can check me out on Instagram. Same handle there. Um, so I guess that's it. Everyone have <coughs> oh my goodness. 
Excuse me. You good? Uh, yeah. Okay. I hope you guys enjoy listening to us and have a great month. And we'll look out for we'll we'll be back again with our July coverage. Yeah. And Yay. bye, y'all. See you. Bye. <laughs>